Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Pastor Plex Podcast. I'm here with Chris, as usual. And Chris, are you ready? I am ready. Okay, we have questions from this past week's sermon, which we started a new series called Who's Your Trainer? Who's Your Trainer? And so we're kind of talking about parenting and all kinds of fun stuff. Yeah, and, and but the fun thing about it is it's not just parenting. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really understanding how you've been parented. Therefore, that's going to move you forward in your own life. And that's probably why you struggle or haven't gotten married or are struggling in your own marriage. Just a lot. Or struggling in your parenting is probably the way you've been parented. So you've got to constantly ask the question, who's your trainer? Is it your trauma or is it your God? So uh, l- let's just start with the first Boom. question. We'll get more into that. All right. So we've got three total questions. They kind of all intermingle with one another. So we're going to go through all mm-hmm. three and then we'll touch on them. Yep. First one, what should you do when you and your spouse disagree on the number of children you should have? We've prayed and discussed our reasoning, but we are still at a standstill. Okay. So uh, here's what people, and I again, I don't know uh, this couple uh, or sort of their, their deal, but I can imagine you. there's a couple reasons why uh, one person would want less children and one person want more. Uh, and that usually stems around finances. Like we will not mm-hmm. have enough money to provide for all the things we want for this child. Yep. And then second one is, especially if you're in the young child age, you're not sleeping, you're unfunctional, and you <laughs> think you're going to die. So uh, those are usually two things. So let me just speak into this from a pr- perspective of capacity and capability. Um so people always talk about how fast these younger years go by. And when you're in the middle of them, that sounds like a ridiculous statement. But as one who is coming on the, the backside of it, and it was very hard. I mean, there was no doubt about having four boys two years apart was unbelievably exhausting and painful and really put us to our max. Uh, but the cool thing is uh, – um, how much joy will we have in 20 years from now? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so that becomes the real question. Now, here's the reality. If you don't have this, – this is, this is huge. If you don't have capacity to raise your children, you won't enjoy them later. Right. So I, what I mean by that is um, if you have to check out because you're like, listen, I went too many. It's too hard. And then you just sort of uh, either outsource parenting or you um, you're, you just can't function at home. You, you're not a complete person. Then then having more children will create more pain later on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, apart from the grace of God, and you know, because we're going to pass down issues to our kids regardless. I mean, even the best parents pass down issues because we're all natural born sinners. Okay, so. So if the standpoint is I'm going to fully be fully engaged with my children, I fully want to, you know, I'm in. I'm going to do I I'm going to do the suffering. I'm going to do the hard things on the front end uh, with all my kids. Then man, even if you do a poor job at that, meaning like you're not the greatest, you didn't, you know, you uh, played sports outside as opposed to read them their Bible all day, or you know, vice versa, uh, you're going to still be fine. You, you're you're present. You, you're doing the best you can, and you are going to enjoy your children later on. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, there's a caveat that, you know, God is sovereign, only he knows all that, and there's no perfect predictor, et cetera, et cetera. However, however, uh, for the most part, you're going to enjoy him. Mm-hmm. But I would say, um, so for example, for us, I don't think we could have done five. I, I think we were done it for, and the way we knew that is both of us came to that agreement. Um, so Adrian and I really prayed about it. We sought God on it. Um 
both our parents probably thought we were completely crazy because how in the world, um, if we couldn't really manage three that well, uh, how in the world could we manage four? <laughs> um, but there is something in me that, that loves children, loves them, and I have fun with them. And four is stretching, but it's not snapping. So how do you know if it's snapping? You know, How do you know if what you're going to be able to handle now is what you're going to be handling in the future? Well, this is where you're talking to people. So I always tell people that there's three things to determine God's will. It's God's word, God's spirit, uh, and God's people. So God's word says, be fruitful and multiply. There is, it gives zero negative um, consequences to more children. So if you're looking for God's word to... to is that a good shake? Mm-hmm. Quite tasty. <laughs> Didn't realize I was almost at the end there. You're welcome, folks. So if you, if you, uh, if you, if you take God's word, God's spirit, uh, God's people, God's word will always say, be, fruit, be fruitful and multiply. Mm-hmm. God's spirit might say, hey, beware. And the tough thing with God's spirit, you, this is where we as people that um, don't take time to meditate, don't take time to get away from, into uh, God's presence very often. And we have a hard time discerning between God's voice and our voice. And then that's where God's people comes in to encourage us or to say, uh, that's Maybe crazy. <laughs> yeah, right. So, so that's where for Adrian and me, we went to those three and we, uh, when it came down to our own desire, when it came down to what uh, people thought we could do, when it came down to uh, the, you know, the church and the spirit of God and God's word, we, we ended up with four. Now, this is where I'd say if uh, a husband's like, we need to go to five and the wife's like, it ain't happening, then you've got to come to that together on your own, together on your own, I don't know if that makes sense, but essentially like where each one is at peace because if one person is forced somewhere, uh, if the man wants, a, wants another child or if the woman wants another child, it's going to create a different dichotomy and someone's going to in general feel like um, – they were left out of the process. And what could happen, though, is that in seven years, of course, you're gonna always going to love your children. You're always going to think that they're the greatest thing ever. Of course you are. Uh, but will you overly exhaust yourself to a point where you're not able to adequately give that child enough time? Okay, so that's 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 a overall perspective on that. The money side is you will never, ever have enough money to have one child. You just yep. never will. You, so if your money is your issue, then don't ever have kids because you'll never have enough. Uh, but what I would say is that seemed to be a very God in the box mindset. If money is the thing, Absolutely. uh, so I would challenge people that are like, I don't want to, um, have, I don't want to have more children because, uh, I don't think we can afford it. Well, or I don't even want to start having children. Right. To me, that is, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to, um, uh, minimize your concern, However, I want to maximize the what God's word says about children, that they are going to be uh, an amazing part of your life mm-hmm. and that God provides. He takes care of your family. If you're relying upon you, uh, then you're sort of ridiculous because you, what is your life? You can't add any, you can't grow your height. You can't do anything other than show up to work. So I, I feel like if his money is the issue, that's a bad reason. If it's capacity, that's a decent reason. And, um, uh, but at the same time, uh, just remember, uh, 20 years from now, it's a different story from the early years of just the brutal work of, um, 
of parenting, but you will only ever be as happy as your least happy child. So that's Ooh. another thing to experience. So the more that you have, the more likely it is you're going to be sad because you've gotten, for, for example, for us, we have four chances of being sad. But also we can multiply our joy uh, by loving and experiencing the goodness of God with our children. And that is never guaranteed as I have watched family after family after family want to do the right thing and then kids just take left turns. And then on the flip side, uh, families that neglected their children and I I watched them, uh, their kids, by the grace of God, be amazing. So um, I don't know if that answered the question, but I feel like I talked around it all a bunch. I think you did. I think you might have. I think we got there. Okay, so questions two and three are dealing with each other, so we'll read them both and answer them all in one big chunk. Okay. How do I get over my past pain of growing up in an abusive home? I had a lot of emotional and verbal abuse from both stepfather and my mother. I know I need to forgive both of them, but I have a hard time letting go of the hurt and anger and feel like it's just a lot of chaos inside of me. Third question. You discussed the sermon both from a parenting, but also what we need from God when we carry a father or mother wound. How do we regain empowerment, grit, and to know our Heavenly Father cares about us? Man, that's heavy. Okay, so let's first go to growing up in an abusive home. Um, Again, I I want to maximize the amount of pain that you feel. Because there is, there you should feel a sense of injustice and anger and rage and hurt and heartache. Uh, however, I want to maximize what God has done. Uh, that God loved you so much that to go to your place of woundedness, He came and He died on the cross for you to heal you. Now, now there's a way that healing comes about. First uh, John one nine says, "If we confess confess our." sins God to God who is faithful and just he'll forgive us of all our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness so confession to God is forgiveness from in our own selves if we've um, if we've wounded anyone and then confession to people plus prayer is healing so this is James 5:16 confess your sins one to another and pray for each other that you may be healed and I feel like that's the struggle that we have the struggle that we have on the day-to-day basis is that um, we're not embracing a confession or repentance sort of lifestyle. And so um, what happens, usually people that have been really hurt, they tend to hurt people. They tend to hurt themselves. They tend to live lives that are full of darkness and sin. And so if what ends up happening, we and usually a lot of that trauma, um, there's two places of trauma. One is the elementary school years, which I, I said on Sunday really leads to a lot of shame. And then the, the, uh, the teenage years, uh, that leads to a lot of victimness. So if, if that's where the abuse occurs, you're going to have to overcome, whether it's elementary age or a teenage, um, you're going to have to overcome sort of either the, either the shame of what has, has been done or what you have done, and then also the victimhood of like, I can't believe this is unfair. Because Jesus, the ultimate, again, it's in the shame that Jesus takes away all your shame when he goes to the cross, and then on the cross, he was the ultimate victim. So whatever point you thought you were a victim, I want to maximize that, you probably were a victim. He was made even a worse victim because he was perfect, didn't deserve it, but chose to take on the sin of the world. So that that's where you start. Now, granted, it's going to take a lot of, of interpersonal counseling. That's where the church comes around you um, through a person who experienced abuse, and you've got to talk through that stuff and talk through the y- your pain and past hurt explains 
uh, your current circumstance, but it doesn't excuse the reason why you continue to hurt others or yourself. And so that's the part we need to work on and work through is that we go back to those places, see how Jesus can intermingle uh, through that. And there's a lot of different therapies that, that can be worked on. And so for that person, I'd say, hey, uh, contact the church. We'd love to start uh, getting you to a place of help and healing. Okay. Um, especially when it comes to forgiving those who have hurt you, the reason why you can forgive is because the ultimate victim, a while on the cross, said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And I think our problem is like, they should have known or they did know and they did it anyway. Um, no, I don't think anyone can really wrap their head around the hurt that they're causing in the moment because they're selfish and self-centered and all the darkness. Um, there isn't, you know, people are bad, evil. They are that bad. But Jesus, in his ultimate good love for us, uh, forgives us. And so that's our model. And that, therefore, with the Holy Spirit, we can do the same thing. Okay. Let's go to that second part. Give, refresh me on what that second part was. So we d- you discussed the sermon from a parenting perspective, mm-hmm. but also um, what we need from God when we carry a father or mother wound. Yeah. Let, let's talk real quick what a father or mother wound is. You know, a father wound... and. And I don't want to, again, this is where it's it's tough to, uh, in a culture where people get offended by a lot of things, um, people get offended by this. So just hang with me. Uh, in general, um, mothers uh, aren't the worst parents. Even crack addicts are great moms. I mean, they, they love their kid in the sense they, they tell their kid they love them. They might steal from them to, to buy more drugs. Uh, but in general, they're going to do whatever they possibly can from their kids to... Um, to love them and at least they'll tell them that they love them and feel awful and horrible when they can't function. Okay. So however, however, um, dads in general don't realize the weight of their words. They don't realize the weight and the the pain that they cause. So while, um, uh, if you have a really awful mother wound, like your mom was legit awful, then that creates in people uh, a sociopathic tendency where, like, for example, the best snipers, like if you, they're going like, to do a psychological profile on snipers in, in the Army, they, they choose the ones that had awful mother relationships or maybe even the mother that passed away because they, they don't have the ability to feel. And so they don't have any empathy. And so they can kill people without you know, feeling anything. And, and not feel bad about it. And that, that's the scary thing. So if you have a mom that was a wreck and was like clearly not in your life, your ability to feel is going to be really, really hindered. If you're a woman who has mom issues, what ends up happening is you take that out on your husband. Whether uh, and, and I've always said this, is that the way that you treat your same-sex uh, friends is the, in general the way you treat your spouse. And so um, – that goes. It's especially true if you have if you're a woman and you've got mom issues. In general, you don't take your the way you treated your dad, uh, which is sort of an odd thing. It's actually the way you treated your mom or felt your relationship with your mom goes to your husband, which is sort of an odd deal. Um, so, and that's a, that's a generalization, of course, but that's just what I've I've noticed and seen. So that becomes an issue, right? So so if you don't have the ability to feel, you don't have the ability to relate, and then you don't have the ability to pass that down, and that becomes super challenging. If you have a father wound and that comes through the anger and the, the expectation and the, the failure, then it then there's a lot of shame. There's a lot of I'm not worth anything. And so what you tend to do is pass that down. You tend to pass down like the the shame. You wanna you wanna 
put the full brunt of weight of like the consequence of whatever your child has done wrong and you put it on them, they feel that weight, then they, they should understand that they did wrong and change. And although that results in great behavior modification, we all know, and you know probably, that that doesn't change the anger in your heart. In fact, it makes it burn brighter and angrier and redder mm-hmm. and, off, and awful. So how did, So getting back to that place where how do you regain empowerment and grit to know that your heavenly father loves you is this is where I feel like what happens with people is they forget that they're one loved, but they also forget that they're sent. And so if you live your life for yourself, meaning you live your life, um, to have a little bit better house, a little bit better vacation, a little bit better whatever, then ultimately you're, you're, you're going to become very self-centered and you're going to get angry at everyone who doesn't conform to that and your ability to control things. However, if you realize you are at a sent place and that you're sent to where you are and that your neighbors and that your co-workers and that the people that God has placed you around, God himself has placed you right there, then what ultimately happens is that you um, start to see the world not from a, a me-centered Centered world, but from a God-centered place, and look at people differently. Within that, even translates to your home. That God placed you in your home to be a missionary to your home, especially because everyone is born with lost children, and so nobody has saved kids in their house until they are led to faith in Christ. Okay, how do you get the empowerment, uh, grit, and no? Well, you've got to have small. Like this is where I love the fact that God says, "Test me in this," and He does that in a financial way. Um, in Malachi 3.10 uh, and see if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out so much blessing you will not have room enough for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, that you can test God in and I think that's the part where, okay, maybe you do that financially but you can also kind of run to the to the Father with love. He has said he will always provide and I think that's the reason why that's the one thing he wants you to test him in because how can you test God's love? You can't go like, does God really love me? And Because <laughs> if you do that and you say, well, my circumstances are better then God must love me. Well, that's saying that your God is your circumstances and that's not what God ever says. Um, uh, but he does say the one tangible way to test God is through finances. And so that for me is one way to kind of remind myself is that, um, this seems like a long, crazy answer to where, um, I find this, but when I test God in my, uh, giving and my generosity, and then I see that he is like through crazy set of circumstances that he is blessing me beyond what I can ever imagine, then I experience and feel the love of the Father because that testing isn't just to see that God's going to be a provider. No, no, it's because he's a father. That's the part that I feel like we we miss is that um, the grit of long-suffering, the empowerment of using his resources and going and doing what he has called us to do is that's what gives us joy in life. And when you're living on purpose, you are never poor and you're never tired and you're always full. The problem is a lot of us forget to live on purpose. We live for ourselves. Then we get in this place of anger and frustration, self-centeredness. Okay, so I I guess I want to bring it all back to how do you experience empowerment? How do you experience grit? If you've never received it, you've got to go to God's word. This is where God's word is so powerful and that he is telling you, go in my name. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go in Jesus' name and make disciples of all nations, baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. And behold, I am with you. And when you go and you experience the with you, then you start to experience that love. But the problem is, and this is why I feel like most people don't experience closeness with God until they're forced into a suffering position and all they have to do, they're at rock bottom, they have to look up. And so we do that sort of 
when our lives are train wrecks, but what happens when you, you know, arrive at a place of functionality and then you lean into God to do even crazier and more things, not so that you could earn your salvation, but because you are saved and that God has called you for himself to do what he's called you to do. I think that's the part that we sometimes miss out when it comes to our relationship with God. And so we're always uh, looking at God and church from a what's in it for me perspective. And we've never arrived at a place of living on mission uh, because every time that we get functional, we start trying to build our own kingdoms again. All right. So I think that sort of lands the plane on that. But man, this is one of those questions that I, I love that, that God is constantly wanting to grow in you. John 17 says he he wants you to have joy in yourselves, and it comes through sanctifying, being sanctified in the word, and then experience the oneness, and that oneness with God and the church is also explains your sentness, and that Jesus, and the world will know that Jesus was sent to them, and that in, the, in uh, I think verse 23 of John 17 says, and I pray that you will love them even as they have loved me, and that just, man, it makes my heart melt, because to understand how much God loves you. It's not based on anything you have done. In fact, we know in Matthew 3, 17, that, Ma- that Jesus, whenever he is baptized, God the Father says out loud to him. In fact, it says it again, I think it's later in Matthew 17 on the Mount of Transfiguration. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Or in th- Matthew 17, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Like, I am proud of this person. I respect this person. I like this person. This is the person I want in my life. And that's the way, watch this, that God the Father loves you. When you've trusted in him, then Jesus has prayed for you that the Father would love you even equal to as he loved the Son. And the more that you live on mission, the more that you live in having to trust and rely upon God the Father, um, the more you're going to experience that love. And so I think that's that's where I, my, I, my heart's cry for people is that they, they wouldn't go to a place of darkness. They go to a place of light and experiencing um, the healing power of Jesus. Absolutely. All right. Well, I think we have adequately or at least begun to cover those. If you have more questions, you know where to find us, and we will get to them next week. Thanks for listening.